welcome to the sermon cast from King Road Church. If you'd like to connect with us or browse resources, please go to kingroad.ca and click New Here. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we are in our text uh, in your journey through uh, the text, the good fight. And once again, Pastor Paul, thank you for allowing me to jump into what you are doing. Uh, what, a, what a joy. I preached through First Timothy when I was a young pastor in Prince Edward Island, but not since then. So I, didn't, I wrote all my notes out by hand. I don't even know where those are anymore. I couldn't even reference anything that I'd said on this text. So it was like just a fresh game for me. And it was so good to, to study and pray and seek the Lord's heart through this text. And you know, when, when, uh, when we stand before a text, it could be unpacked in a, a lot of different ways. And so that's where we need the Holy Spirit to kind of guide our thinking. And, and Lord, would you now open up my heart to know what King Road might need on November the 26th. And so uh, I, I'm trusting that what the Lord has laid on my heart will indeed uh, be used by the Holy Spirit in your heart to move you along in your walk with Jesus. I... Uh, I grew up in an evangelist home. Uh, I grew up in Germany. And so when I walked through the doors and the German service was going on and I heard German being preached, I said to myself, das ist aber richtig wunderbar, hier Deutsch zu verstehen. Gell? Können wir Deutsch sprechen? Yeah, if you, oh, yeah, well, look at that. Well, don't ask me to speak in German because I, Pastor Paul asked, could you preach in German? It's like, probably not, because I just don't have the theological words, the vocabulary in German, but, you know, maybe... Given enough time, I could. Uh, but I, yeah, I grew up in Germany, and uh, my dad was an evangelist. Uh, and we used to do these things in Germany. Well, they used to, and here in Canada, too, called crusades, right? You don't use that language anymore. Like you, young people would look at you and say, you went on crusades? What is that? Right? You're marching into Jerusalem? Or, um, but these were just evangelistic meetings where my dad would, um, and, and his team would, Rent a, they'd be invited by a few churches in a small town. They'd rent the community hall. And, and so I, I grew up knowing the gospel. I cannot ever remember not understanding or knowing the gospel. I'm sure there was. When you're young, you don't understand a lot of stuff. But there's never been a gap in my life where I didn't know about the cross and about Jesus. It's always been part of my culture, my Christian heritage. And I, I thank the Lord for that. But there were many, many years where the gospel did not move me. It didn't move my affections. It did not amaze me. It didn't overwhelm me. It didn't shock me by its beauty. And the enormity of the gospel didn't grip my heart. As a matter of fact, I went to Bible school to make mom and dad happy. It's the only reason I went. I was not a believer. I didn't know that at the time. I thought I was. So I go to Bible school. I was going to go in there. And then I wanted to become a conservation officer. I was very shy an introvert, and I did not want to be with people for sure. So get me out in the bush. That's what I wanted to do. And in my second semester of Bible school, God awakened my heart to the gospel and to who Jesus is. And he saved me, and he turned my life upside down. And, um, and, but, but even from that point on, in then graduating from Bible school and then getting into the pastoral ministry, I heard a, a preacher one time talk about the gospel becoming like a smooth stone in your pocket. 
right? Have you ever put a smooth stone in your pocket and three weeks later you reach into your pocket, you put those pants on, it's like, oh yeah, there's a stone, right? It, it's, it's very forgettable, a smooth stone. You can forget a smooth stone in your pocket really easily. And, and it's kind of what the gospel was for me. It was, it was there, I knew about it, but it was, it was quite forgettable. Even as a pastor, I'd relegated the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. You know, we live in kind of the Bible belt of British Columbia, right here. You do. There are a lot of people here in Abbotsford, you know this, that do not know Jesus. And they need the gospel. And so the gospel is for unbelievers. But I'd relegated the gospel simply just to that part of, of my, my work as a pastor. The gospel's for unbelievers. And then once we have that, now we move on to other things. We do other things in our life. But I'm so grateful to God about 20 years, 22 years ago, in his good and kind work, he began to recalibrate my mind towards the gospel. And the gospel simply means good news, right? The Greek word, this, is, this works so well in this congregation. The Greek word for the gospel is euangelion. Now, does that not sound like a German word to you? Right? Evangelium, euangelion. It's a direct translation. It means good news. And we get our English word evangelism or evangel from that. And so, so th- what I began to understand is that the good news is not only for unbelievers, though it is for unbelievers. The good news is also for believers and how believers can grow in their walk with Jesus and live a holy life. The means by which Steve Jantz has any chance of finding victory today in my walk with Jesus is through the gospel and through Jesus' work accomplished on the cross. And that started sort of working in my mind and, and began stirring in my heart and I realized, man, the gospel, how, how big is this gospel that we proclaim and we hang on to? It is for unbelievers. That is how you are saved from the penalty of sin, right? We're justified. God declares you're righteous. It's an amazing reality, but, but then the Christian life begins. And there is this notion in, in a lot of our minds, and it was in my mind, that, that once I've been saved, it's kind of up to me now to keep God happy with me, right? By pulling up my religious bootstraps, and I just got to keep performing for God so that he looks down on me. And, and as the gospel began to shine in the realities of my life, I began to understand that, that I can rest fully in the finished work of Jesus as a believer, and when the, the realities of that gospel begin to penetrate our hearts, all of a sudden now, there, a, a desire for holiness and Christ-likeness begins to grow in our life. So you say, Steve, why are you saying all this? Well, it's because that's what our text is kind of about. And I want to show it to you. So let's read 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I'm going to ask, would you stand with me as we read the scriptures this morning? This is the word of the Lord. And uh, we will read 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And down to verse 16. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, Timothy, devote yourself. doesn't say Timothy in there, but that's who he's writing to, right? You know who he's talking to here. Until I come, Timothy, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. 
practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch, Timothy, on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, or by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So the main idea from this text that, that, that I would like us to walk away with this morning is that gospel impact here in Abbotsford, in your neighborhood, gospel impact for you to have an impact in your neighborhoods at your work happens when you and I are good conduits or good channels for that to happen. The way the gospel is going to permeate Abbotsford, I mean, obviously it's God's work, right? Let's, let's just put that at the backdrop. Anything of eternal value is because God is stirring and doing his work. But God has chosen to use his church, and we as followers of Jesus must be good conduits. Uh, so a conduit is simply a, a link or a channel to link one thing to another. And your role as a follower of Jesus is to, is, is to be a link, a gospel link, so that people might hear and see about God. They need to hear from you. How will they hear if, they, if there's not someone going to preach? And who's going to preach if they've not been sent, right? So, so proclamation is part of the gospel. And gospel impact, or if we want the gospel to impact people in your neighborhood, maybe even in your families, uh, both believers and... The, you, you do know... impact we're not just talking about impacting people who don't know jesus though that's part of it back to this whole big the bigness of the gospel we should be living in such a way that our lives would impact each other as well and we want to be good conduits for eternity and so paul is addressing uh, timothy here and what i what i want you to see before we kind of get into the text and just walk through it it's pretty straightforward uh, is that this text is, there, there's sort of this gospel sandwich. It begins with the gospel, and it ends with the gospel. So you have your Bibles, follow along. And, and where I'd like to begin is in verse 11, where it says, command and teach these things. And, and if I were standing in front of our students now, I'm not, but I'm standing before you, I would say, what question should you be asking when you read a verse like this? So you're you're in your living room tomorrow morning, before work, early in the morning, or in the evening, whenever you have your time with Jesus. You want to hear from him, and you read this. Command and teach these things. And, and one of the questions that would go through my mind is, what things? What am I supposed to command? What, what am I supposed to teach? And we know that verses help us find um, you know, passages in the Bible, but Paul didn't write verses. And so verse 11 is linked to what? Verse 10, right? So let's read verse 10, and I want to just jump off of what Pastor Paul spoke. Devotion to godliness results in gospel hope, which is verse 10, what, where we read this in your Bibles. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people. So Savior, gospel, he's the, he's the one who saves. Especially to those who believe, command and teach these things, Timothy. Persist in this, right? 
command and teach these things, he says. So just right out of verse 10 into verse 11, where we are beginning our text, we understand we're walking into this text with this, this gospel backdrop to our thinking. And the gospel brings hope. The, it is the God, God, by his Holy Spirit, who regenerates people by the gospel when they turn in repentance and put their faith alone in Jesus Christ. A miracle happens. They're born again. A heart of stone is taken out of their heart, out of their bodies or their life. It's not physical, spiritual. And a heart of flesh is given them. A new, a new creation happens. And so we come into this text with that top slice of the sandwich, right? With gospel, verse 11, verse 10 and 11. And then the bottom slice, verse 16, where we read, at the, at the last part of verse 16, persist in this, for by do, so doing, you will what? Save salvation gospel you will save both yourself and your hearers now we're gonna i'm gonna jump ahead too far on this uh yeah so we'll, we'll wait till we get there but but paul sandwiches what he's gonna now say to timothy with this gospel both backdrop and outlook down the road and there are basically three ways that paul encourages timothy to orient his life so that he might be a good conduit for gospel impact so that's what I want. I want to challenge you. So this is written to Timothy, but oh my goodness, by God's grace, this speaks to us too, right? We want to hear what he has to say. And so we begin with the first way that we can be a, have a gospel impact, and it's simply by being spiritually self-aware. This is the first thing that Paul says, or at least that's what I'm taking out of verse uh, 12 here, being spiritually self-aware. Paul says... Let no one despise you for your youth, Timothy. Don't be despised for your youth. The word despise simply means to resent or disdain or dislike, to think lightly of somebody. If you despise somebody, you think lightly of them. You think um, you might think little of them. It, it, it has this idea that this person can be written off. I can write this person off. So that's that's what we mean. That's what this word means. To despise. And, and, and Paul says, Timothy, don't let anyone write you off because of your youth. When I was a, I started pastoring when I was young, uh, out of Bible school and moved to Prince Edward Island. We weren't even married yet. And uh, it was a small church. There were, my first Sunday, there were 15 people in this little church in Georgetown, Prince Edward Island. And um, there was a handful of families and some old ladies who had just been faithful in keeping the doors open. And about six months into my pastorate, I had, uh, well, he's now with the Lord, but until he passed away, still a, a dear friend of mine. So it, it didn't turn out bad, but he came to me, he pulled me into the back room just before I was to, to get up to preach. Listen, if you have something to say to your pastor, wait till after he's preached. Like if there's a little criticism or something, don't do that. I'm just, I'm, Paul did not ask me to say this. <laughs> So he pulled me just before, between Sunday school and Sunday morning, he said, I, I just need you to know, Steve, that, um, that my wife and our children and I, we're not going to be coming here anymore. I was like, oh. I said, Gary, that's, that's so sad to hear. What, what, like, is there something, is there a problem? It's like, yeah, you're too young. It's like, whoa. He wasn't wrong. He was right. But, but for him, and rightly so, it was hard for him to sit under the ministry of a 21-year-old guy who was trying to slug his way through pastoring. And so, so there was some despising, and I understand it. I work with 21-year-olds now. I got a whole, a whole campus full of them, and I love them. But, 
man, oh man, uh, you know, they can be a little bit tedious at times and push the buttons, the wrong buttons. And, and there are times when it's like, I'm not going to think too highly of you right now just because of what I observed. I'm going to, I won't write you off completely, but man, you're on the edge, right? Youth in the first century was a little bit different. The, the term youth had quite a range, actually. Youth encompassed life from just after early childhood, so, you know, maybe eight or nine years old. And it, this youth concept extended all the way to just until you reach older adulthood. So, so could have even reached into the, into, into the early 40s. The apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy is, is probably in his 30s, maybe, early 30s, and, and, and yet, in Paul's mind, young, a young man. And, he sa- and the older I get, is like, yeah, 30 is young. Goodness, I'm almost double that now. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want to emphasize two things. First of all, your youth. Remember who you are. Remember that you're young. And number two... Be self-aware, Timothy, how some folks might view you. And because they view you a certain way, they may despise you. They may think lightly of you. They might think little of you. And Paul says this this to to Timothy. The text doesn't say this, but this is what I, I think is the heart behind it. Is that when people despise you, when people look down on you or think little of you or write you off, there's a high probability that they will not listen to the gospel that you're proclaiming. Now, I'm not going to listen to that guy. Now, part of being young is a lack of experience, and I, it can potentially be hard to listen to someone like that. And that was my case when I was a young pastor. It was hard for my friend Gary, who was a lot older than I was, to sit under this young whippersnipper who was telling people how to live. And it's like, you barely are out of the crib, and you're telling us how to live. And so I understand that, right? Inexperience. And, and it's, it is hard sometimes to listen. And with the vim and the vigor of youth and with the inexperience that comes with youth, with the mistakes that youth often make, and let me tell you, I, made, I still make mistakes. I'm not a youth anymore. <clears throat> I was young, man. I made a lot of mistakes as a young pastor. And uh, Paul says, Timothy, beware of what station in life you're at. Understand that folks may not be keen to listen to a young buck. So, Timothy... Do all you can so that folks won't despise you. Don't live that way. Don't live in such a way. Be self-aware that you are young and that because of that, people might despise you, but don't let it happen. That's what we're going to get to here in a second. Don't let that happen. Now, there are some young people in this room. For sure, if we talk under 40, then there's a bunch of you. And I would just say that this message may resonate with you. You're still young. Be self-aware of that. Understand with your youngness and your idealism and all the good things that come with youth, remember that if you conduct yourself in a way that's pleasing to God, people will listen to you. But if you don't, they may not listen to the gospel that you have to proclaim to them. And then there are some of you who are not so young here today. Don't tune out. This is not, it's like, oh, I guess I don't need to listen to the rest of what Steve has to say because I'm not young anymore. No, there's a message for all of us here today. And though Timothy was young, youth, was not his rea- youth is not your reality here today. But that does not mean that there might not be things in your life that may cause people to despise you and not listen to you. Right? And that's the message for us. Are you self-aware of that? Are you able to 
examine your heart? Do you have friends in your life, brothers and sisters, who can point things out in your life that might indicate if, you, if you're doing this, people aren't going to listen to you? It's where self-awareness comes in. What are those things? They might be simply sinful habits that you have or worldly endeavors, right? I mean, that, that can happen. We're so easily sucked into the worldly context that we live in, and all of a sudden we're doing things that, that, that if, I'm, if, if I'm living a certain way or doing certain things, people might despise me because of what I'm doing. Not because of my youth, but because of the way I'm living. It might also simply be something as crazy or not, Phariseeism. You know, we grew up in, in religious contexts. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew how to, listen, I might, have, I might have lived horrible on Friday night, but I knew how to act on Sunday morning. <laughs> I knew how to act. I did. And the old ladies in the church in Germany, they thought, ah, oh, that young Steve Jantz, isn't he a great young man? Well, I'm glad they weren't hanging out with me on Friday night. Right? And so Phariseeism can all of a sudden start creeping in and, and some of this hypocrisy, but maybe even just religious superiority or arrogance. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that we hate here in Canada is being perceived as mean, right? We don't like to be thought as mean in Canada. It's something that we try to avoid. But the gospel, when you preach it, when you proclaim the gospel and you say, there's one way to heaven, and Jesus is the way, the only way, you will be perceived as mean, correct? That's a mean thing to be saying. So don't back what the, go- the Bible says, the gospel will be offensive. Do not back up the offense of the gospel with, with offense from your life. Don't, don't, don't be mean. Don't, if you're perceived as mean, don't be perceived as mean because you are mean. Be perceived as mean maybe because the gospel is now convicting somebody of their sin. That's a different story. And so we need to take stock. Am I self-aware of the things that may hinder the proclamation of the gospel? And that's in no way suggesting that we soft chew it, but, but what should happen is that we should be like Jesus, gentle and lowly. We should have the fruit of the Spirit that is surfacing in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the kinds of things that should be permeating our life. And when that happens, we're going to take away the potential of people looking down on us and thinking little of us. And by God's grace, maybe they will have ears to hear. I've met a lot of adults who have a really low spiritual, emotional intelligence, EQ. And often it affects how seriously people take them. And if we do a poor job in representing ourselves well as followers of Jesus, we run a massive risk of minimizing or downplaying, maybe even nullifying the gospel that we proclaim. So King Road, can I just encourage you? One of the ways that the Lord might want to speak to you this morning in terms of having gospel impact here in this church with other believers and with unbelievers is, can you be self-aware? What are the things in my life today that, that might be hindering the proclamation of the gospel? Here's the second thing that Paul shows that we should be doing in order to be a good conduit or a good channel, a link for, the go- for gospel impact. It's being an example. It's being an example. So verse 12, the last part of verse 12 down to verse 14. But set the believers an example in speech. See, see who, he's, who we're supposed to be setting an example for? Timothy, the believers, the church. So, so, so just, just everybody look around, just right now. Don't look at me. Look around. Look around at each other. Just take, I know you're allowed to do this in church. So don't, take a look. 
you, sir, are supposed to be an example to him. And, and you, missus, you need to be an example to her. Right? We're supposed to be examples to each other. And, and particularly Timothy, who's a young pastor, Paul's urging them, urging him and saying, Timothy, make sure you're an example. Make sure you're an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So Timothy, be an example. Be a pattern. Be a model. Leave a mark, Timothy, in your church. Leave your stamp on those around you so that others might be able to imitate you. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Reproduce yourself, Timothy. Would people so look at you and say, that's the way I want to be? Not because Timothy's great, but because who's great? Jesus is great in his life. Reproduce yourself to the believers. And then Paul says, you're going to do this in two ways. Number one, in your life, and number two, in your ministry. It's really clear here. First, you're going to live a certain way, and you're going to serve a certain way. You're going to live this way in your daily life by speaking right, using the right words, the way you talk. Your language should be gospel-saturated language. Timothy, don't forget the gospel. It's salvation. It's salvation on both ends. So make sure that your speech is just saturated with gospel realities and truths. You know that the words that you express this afternoon come from the deepest parts of your heart? You know that, right? Didn't Jesus say this to the Pharisees, you brood of vipers? How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so the things that we say are simply a revelation of our heart. And Paul says, Timothy, make sure that you're an example in speech, in conduct. Not just the way you talk, Timothy, but the way you walk. Your behavior, your conduct. Timothy, behave yourself in such a way that you are presenting a gospel example. That when people look at you, they see, they, they kind of see through you, and they see Jesus. They see, do we have a cross in here? Yeah, there. They, they see the work of Jesus on the cross in your life. Live in such a way that you're, you're showing a gospel example. And in love, Timothy, this is your life. Be a model of Jesus' love. The way you treat those around you. The way you treat your, uh, those around you, Timothy, make sure that it's motivated by the gospel. And, and you know, the lo- love in our, I mean, we have one word for love in, in English. There's like four in the Greek. And the one that's used here is agape, which is used typically to describe God's love. And we know what God's love is, right? There's a lot of verses. The one that comes to my mind is Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for you and me. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No greater love does any man have but that to lay down his life for his friends. And so God's love is one of giving of himself sacrificially in order to meet somebody else's needs. That's love. That's God's love. And, and, and Paul says, Timothy, that should be, you should be an example in this kind of love. Where you're giving of yourself sacrificially. It's going to cost you big time. It costs God big time to send his son to the cross. It cost Jesus big time to the point where he's, he's sweating drops of blood because he doesn't want to face what he knows he must face. And he does at the end for the joy set before him endures the, the, the cross and all the shame and all that was surrounding that. But it was hard. It's a sacrifice. So Timothy, because you've received this great love, live your life now 
by pouring that love out to others. And, and faith, Timothy, faithfulness, that's what this word means. Timothy, be faithful, be unswerving in your commitment to the gospel. Don't swerve off track. Don't leave the gospel behind, Timothy. Don't deviate from your course. And in purity, Timothy. And this has specifically to do with moral purity. Fight the fight of moral purity. Well, I'll tell you, if we need a message today in our culture, that's one of them. I mean, there, there's just nothing that, there are just no boundaries on anything anymore. From drag queens reading storybooks to kindergarten children, horrific to just, it doesn't matter what you do. And oh, how, how easy it is for us to start, as Christians, to start softening our views on some of this as opposed to being pure and being an example and holding fast to the word of God. I'm preaching to the choir here, I know. Timothy, fight sin. Fight the good fight. That's what Paul is saying here to Timothy. Be un, unsullied by sin. Don't slip. Timothy, do not slip into sexual impurity. Allow the gospel to form holiness and Christ-likeness in you, Timothy. And so, King Road, let me challenge you to take inventory on your life. How you doing today? Are you modeling your speech and in your conduct and love? Are you living faithfully and with purity in your life? Are you being a good conduit that the gospel might have impact with folks that come into contact with you? Oh, oh, how we need God's grace, don't we? I need it every day, every day. Oh, how I need you, Lord. Every moment of every day. So, so that's his life, and then Paul shifts to his ministry. Be an example in your life, and now be an example in your ministry. Let the gospel shape your ministry, Timothy, by what? Give attention to, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So make sure that the Scriptures are read, Timothy. In your congregation, in your church, make sure the scripture, Scriptures are read, just like Pastor Paul did. Now, now, one of the contexts that we find here is that people didn't have the ESV on their iPhone back in Timothy's day, right? They didn't have the scroll that they pulled out. And so where would they hear God's Word? <clears throat> when the church gathered. And so the reading of Scripture was critical in the health and the well-being, spiritual well-being of the church. So Paul says, make sure that you read the Scriptures, Timothy, that your people get it, they hear it. And I would just simply add to that, make sure you do that on your own too. Don't just wait for Sunday mornings, but make sure that you are a person of the Word, that you're a person of the book. Be known as the one who builds their life on the Word. Timothy, make sure that your life is saturated in the word exhort exhortation says exhort challenge encourage those who are listening to you preach timothy and exhortation has this idea of not just information download it's this urging now obey it so it's not just encouraging it's this it's, it's, it's this is challenge and so from week to week when your pastors get up here and preach and they challenge you it's a biblical model don't just listen to what they have to say Put it into practice. Act on what they're encouraging, exhorting you to do. And in your teaching, Timothy, give attention to your teaching. Pay close attention to sound doctrine. This word appears all kinds of times. I mean, that was the issue in Ephesus, was false teaching and false doctrine slipping into the church. And oh, how we need to be on guard in 2023 on that as well, don't we? It's just coming from every direction. Even under the guise of biblical Christianity, stuff starts coming in. It's like, so be on guard. Be on guard, Timothy. 
Give attention to your teaching. Pay close attention to sound doctrine. Be faithful, Timothy. And do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy in the laying on of hands. Timothy had received a spiritual gift. That's clear from this text. And we can read that in other places as well. In 2 Timothy, it had been clearly seen in Timothy's life and had been publicly confirmed by the elders of Timothy's church before he was sent to Ephesus. This young man has a gift. He must use it. And what's interesting about this verb, the, the form of this word, do not neglect, it, it kind of has this notion behind it that it could have been in Timothy's mind, he might have already been drifting towards neglecting it. It's kind of like, I don't know that I want to carry on. I'm, I'm, this is it's hard. Listen, Ephesus was not an easy church. Handing over Alexander, uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander. That, I mean, that's who likes doing, who likes church discipline? That's hard. And false doctrines and false teachers, and you got people spreading old wives' tales, and it, just, it was just it's a hard place. And ministry can be hard. I speak from 36-plus years of experience. Ministry can be so hard. And so here's Timothy. Kind of, it's like, maybe I'm going to abandon this thing. Maybe the temptation was there, and Paul says, no, don't. Carry on. Carry on in your ministry. Can I just say one word to you here king wrote about ministry i just talked to our first years this i was finishing off a section of teaching i don't teach a lot i do some teaching at miller but it's not my primary role but i I had 12 classes with our first years and i just i said to them i said you know out of the 50 students that are in there in that class i said we might have five at the end of if they all would come for for three years typically it's about maybe 20% of our students end up in vocational ministry, which means 80% don't. What in all the world are they doing in Bible school? Why did they come to Bible school for three years and not end up in vocational ministry? Well, and I urge them, I said, can I just remind you, and I'm going to remind you of the same thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are in ministry. You might not be getting a paycheck from the church or from a missions organization or people who support you, but But can I remind you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are in ministry. The difference is simply where God maybe has placed you. It might be in the church, but it also might be at the Ford dealership. It might be on the mission field, but it might be in the dentist office. It might be in camp ministry, but it also might be in the classroom, in the secular school. It might be in a vocational context, or maybe the accounting firm where you work is actually paying your missionary salary in order to be a missionary there. So just remember, you're in ministry, so evaluate. Don't say, well, that's not, this, t- this part is not for me. No, we're all in ministry. Now, Paul, Timothy's call certainly is specific. It was pastoral. It was Pastor Paul and Pastor Heinz, and that was the, that was the call here. But let's not, let's not skip over that and let ourselves off the hook because every one of us, wouldn't it be amazing if you just get up in the morning and say, okay, Lord, help me in my ministry today as I go to the John Deere dealership. I don't know if they have one here in Abbotsford or not, but, or wherever I go, help me be a faithful minister now as I go sell parts. And, and I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna be a good example, but Lord, if you give me an opportunity, the lunch hour, a coffee break, give me, just give me boldness to talk about the hope that I have. You're in ministry. Don't forget it. So King Road, 
You want to be a good conduit for the gospel to impact others? Be, spiritual, be spiritually self-aware. Be an example. And then finally, as we wind things down, verse 15, Paul says, Practice these things, Timothy. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on teaching. Timothy, practice. Cultivate them in your life. Study uh, them. Meditate. So the third thing is that we should be spiritually introspective. You need to take time. It's, it's sort of linked to the first one of being uh, self-aware, but it's more this idea of, I need to examine myself. So Paul says, Timothy, immerse yourself in this stuff. Keep close watch on yourself, he says. Examine yourself to make sure that you're doing what I've commanded you to do. And I would say the same thing to you. Practice these things, King Road. Immerse yourself in them. This word immerse has this idea of, of a, it's almost like a glove wrapping like, you should just envelop yourself in it. Envelop yourself in all of these things so that you might be a good conduit, a good link for the gospel to impact your neighborhood, your community. Keep close watch, take heed, persist in them. And so, King Road, does your life look like this? Is this your practice? Are you immersing yourself in these things that we've just talked about? And I'm, guess, I'm, I'm guessing the answer would be like mine. It's like, sometimes... Yeah, there are times when I'm like that, but I'm not, like, listen, I, I'll be the first to admit, that is not the pattern of my life all the time. So this sermon is just as important for me as it is for you. Steve, examine yourself. Are you immersing yourself? Steve, are you keeping watch over yourself, your life, what you believe theologically, doctrinally, critical? Are you persevering in these things? You know, Paul says in, first, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, let, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ which in the Greek has this idea, make sure that your life, the conduct, weighs as much as the gospel you proclaim. Make sure that the way you live weighs as much as the gospel that you proclaim. And when it does, your life will have a gospel impact. And here's what's at stake. The very last part of verse 16. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Save from what? That's the question. Safe from what? And I would suggest to you, because this is written to believers, he's not talking about their justification. He's not talking about being saved from the penalty of hell. He's, Paul is probably talking about being saved from the power of sin from day to day. It's your sanctification, which the gospel must speak into. Salvation in the scripture can mean a few different things. And here I think it is this idea. How many of you need to be saved from slipping into sin this week? Can I just see hands? Yeah, every one of us. How many of you need to be saved from the influence and the impact of the world? Yes, 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 all along the way, right? For all of us. From pursuing earthly endeavors instead of spiritual things. How many of us need to be saved from false teaching, doctrine? Well, you're in a good church. That's it's already a help. But you turn on the radio, somebody gives you a podcast to listen to, and it's like, well, that sounds intriguing. But it's not. It's horrible. It could be horrible, horrible doctrine. So we need to be saved from this stuff. I need to be saved. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. I need to be safe from wandering. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Why do I need that? Because I'm prone to wander. I need to be safe from wandering, from drifting, from the power of sin in my life. So, Timothy, King Road, be a good conduit that the gospel can have an eternal impact on those around you by being spiritually self-aware, 
by being an example in your life and in your ministry, and by being spiritually introspective. And when you do, God will be glorified, and you will save yourself by God's grace and those who are hearing you. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us just another encouragement, exhortation to keep walking with you faithfully. Lord, I, 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 I just know that this church and the people in this church and Pastor Paul so much long to have a, an eternal impact, gospel impact here in, in Abbotsford. So help us live in such a way that that would happen. For your glory alone, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us on social media at King Road Church. Have a great week.